1: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
0: It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout.
1: what is up bills mafia it is monday night almost 10 p.m eastern time and uh we are coming to you after the buffalo bills second straight loss this time the kansas city chiefs on monday evening football uh disappointing one again 26 17. uh you, you thought for a moment there in the in the, in the fourth quarter there ryan there <laughs> unbelievably that the the bills might be able to get back into this thing but of course the chiefs come down the field after that, Cole Beasley touchdown, kick a field goal, putting the game basically out of reach. We're going to dive into all of that right now. Uh, this is the Shout Buffalo Bills Football Podcast, brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. Shout out to them uh, for all their support. He is Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Uh, and we're going to get dive into this thing. And listen, I know it's ten o'clock on a Monday. Your team just got beat on national TV again, and and I'm sure that you know there's not a lot of Fuzzy feelings within Bill's Mafia, but I did want to do this show tonight with a little bit more positivity because I do think that there is, you know, it's so easy Ryan to overreact in the moment. And Sean talked about it at the end of his press conference tonight about, you know, just having some perspective in these moments in the locker room because these these losses hurt. I mean, you, you spend all week planning for it. You're you're going up against the Super Bowl defending Super Bowl champions, the Super Bowl MVP in, in Patrick Mahomes. You lose a you know, 11 point game, there's a nine point game. I'm sorry. You know, that's, there's emotions there. And, and so I think in the moment, everybody could be quick to want to jump off the wagon, but you want to maybe suggest why they shouldn't.
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, let's just address the the whole overreaction. Uh, Someone commented pretty much saying, oh, you know, same old bills. They're a pretender, this, that, and the other. They're four and two after six weeks. Take a breath. They've lost two games to the two teams that were in the AFC championship this season. I get it. You want to get that statement win. You want to have that win over a legitimate AFC contender this season. Uh, You don't want to just kind of sleepwalk through the year and back your way into the playoffs. I understand those feelings. But as I said on social media, there's still a lot of football left. There are still some opportunities to get those big time wins, whether it's against an AFC or an NFC opponent. Maybe that Rams game is a big time win. It feels like it at this point. They have games against the Seahawks coming up. That would be a big win. They have a game against the Steelers later this season. Again, would be a pretty big win. So there's opportunities down the road. And if you look at this division, the division is still up for grabs. I watched the New England Patriots lose to a I would call them a bad Denver Broncos team due to injuries, due to inexperience, due to youth. I've seen the Miami Dolphins. They're on the rise now after a a rough start to the year. But that division's still there. They're still in first place. Settle down. Now, some of the reactions I got after that tweet were not very kind. We're not very polite. Uh, (laughs) But I get it. You're you're caught up in the game. Uh, Even though the Bills were within one score late, which is probably all they could have hoped for going into this game, there's a lot of reasons to be discouraged after that effort that we saw in the field tonight.
1: Listen, if you're out there responding to a tweet from Mr. Ryan Talbot with negativity or rudeness, shame on you. Mm. If you met this guy in real life, this is the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. He's just trying to be here for you. He's just trying to, you know, give you some perspective. So, so calm yourself down a little bit, but no, I, I understand. Cause listen, these are two back-to-back national TV spots and you know, you almost feel like you dial things back to last year in Dallas and, and you almost feel like the team, under the leadership that it that it has, under the, you know, player-driven leadership that it has, you know, they turned a corner in that game, or at least you feel that way, to go on Thanksgiving with the eyes of the entire country and really the entire world watching and play as perfectly as this Bills team played that day. To fast forward to this season and just to see this, some of the mistakes that, they've hap- that are happening after a, a really – you don't want to say flawless start because I think the defense was struggling out of the gates, but the offense, the way that they've regressed in these last two weeks. Let's start there and and really diving into maybe what some defensive coordinators have figured out on the Bills. Because if you look at how the Chiefs and the Titans attacked Josh Allen, it's really mess get messy in that third level make them, you know, not, not much be open and, and get pressure in his face. And right now, while he still navigates the pocket pretty well, you know, considering his athleticism and his ability to move, he wasn't making good decisions while navigating on a lot of those throws. And again, accuracy coming back, 50% completion percentage today. And he even said, I have to be better. I have to be more accurate early in the
0: game. Yeah. Defenses the last two weeks have taken away the big play. Cole Beasley uh, he had the biggest play of the game. It came in the fourth quarter. It was 22 yards. That is not what we saw in the first four weeks. So these defensive coordinators for the Titans, for the Chiefs, said, listen, let, let's, like you said, let's make it r- tough to complete those passes deep. Let's make Allen beat us in that short intermediate area. A- and he was inaccurate tonight. He, he was missing on some plays, and I get it. It was raining hard. Uh, Patrick Mahomes threw a few balls that could have been intercepted that bounced off receiver's hands. Conditions were not ideal, but Allen still has to deliver on a lot of those plays. Uh, He did have one deep ball that hit Stefan Diggs on the hands in the end zone. It was actually a pretty well contested play though by the chiefs defense. Uh, So it it wasn't a case that he didn't hit anything. He missed Diggs open deep uh, early in the game too. It's just Allen has taken a step back. Now that those big plays have not been there more consistently. So now, you have to wonder, you know, can he get back on track against a, a punchless Jets team here on Sunday, uh, which you don't want to look too far, too far ahead here, but that's, that's going to be it. You need to see this offense get back on track very quickly.
1: Yeah, and I think that you look at this game and how it played out and – all things considered, like we mentioned at the top of the show, you're sitting there in the fourth quarter with a, you know, still in the game with a chance to win the game. I mean, really, uh, if you if your defense could come away with a stop, you put the ball in Josh Allen's hands, uh, you know, under four minutes to go in that fourth quarter, and who knows what what ends up happening? I I asked Sean McDermott because I saw a lot of fans tweeting about it uh, about the decision to go for one point. When you uh, score that Cole Beasley s- touchdown, it's a seven-point game. If you go for two, if the, if Kansas City comes back and gets a field goal, it's an eight-point game, one-score game. If you go down and score. Now, they didn't go down and score. But who knows? That, that could have changed the dynamic of the game a little bit. Well, he said, I, you know, I, I don't like to use a crystal ball. What would have happened? Uh, we talked about it. I would have done that again. Um, they wanted to take the points there. And, you know, you, you have to, re- I guess, respect that. Um, but I, I, did also want to say, I do understand the fans frustration there. You, you want to put yourself in a, in a position to win. Um, but I thought throughout the game, the big storyline coming out of this game is how much the bills were gashed on the ground. Uh, 250 yards, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire looked like, uh, the second coming of Ladanian Tomlinson in this game. He was just downhill making guys miss, uh, really electric. So much so that Sean McDermott gave him a tip of the head after the game and said, we did our due diligence on him. Uh, in the draft, we really liked them. Uh, but I part of me thinks that the way they went into this game, it was going to be, we'll let you run for 250 yards. We just don't want Patrick Mahomes to continually beat us with big plays, touchdown passes. And so I think to their point, like you got to pick your poison is the, is the words that Sean McDermott used. They picked their poison. And funny enough, they were in position in the fourth quarter, a competitive position to still compete in this game. And I think so. I think the ideology, as bad as the defense looked on the surface, kind of worked in this game a little bit.
0: Yeah, maybe a little bit. Let's go back to the two-point conversion first. And, and, you know, Sean, after the game saying he, he, he can't look into that crystal ball. Don't look into a crystal ball, Sean. You have people on that staff that tell you what to do after those plays. And analytics say, go for two. You haven't been stopping the Chiefs. They're running all over you. They're they're passing all over you. So if you can bend but not break and force the field goal to your point, it can be an eight-point game and the Bills can be in this thing. So it's not a matter of a crystal ball. You have people on that staff that are supposed to be there to tell you, hey, in this scenario, we should probably be going for two. Stop playing conservative. Go for the two if you have the opportunity. Now, like you said, you have to pick your poison. The Bills were in it late. They had an opportunity there. Uh, but at the same time, you know, don't just stick with that poison, so to speak. Put nine in the box from time to time. Ch- challenge things. Add some blitzers. Do something to make them a little more uncomfortable. Now, when it became predictable late in the game, the Bills had some run stops here and there. They they had some losses. They almost had a, a forced fumble. Uh, big shout out to Justin Zimmer, maybe the only defensive player that consistently played well tonight. So opportunities were there, and I get what he's saying. You're right. They were in it late. But at the same time, you know you have to make some minor adjustments here and there. Change your look a little bit. Uh, I get you don't want Mahomes to throw those 50, 60-yard bombs downfield, but don't just let them keep running down your throat because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, after tonight's performance, it's like, why do they need Le'Veon Bell after what you saw out of the guy? Now, mind you, it's a week-to-week league. Having Bell's only going to help this Chiefs offense long-term, but he he, he looked great against Buffalo's defense tonight.
1: Let's see where we're going to go here. Uh, this is a live show. This is your show. Let's uh, let's get a little uh, information, questions, comments uh, from the fans. Because, listen, I, I, I sat on those couches for years and years and years and experienced games like this. And I know that, you know, there's certain things that really could stick out and, you know – great at you you know going into the game knowing what the deficiencies were you know if you are just tuning in the bills made some changes on the defensive side of the ball they they deactivated uh who both were healthy Harrison Phillips Trent Murphy they decided to go with Justin Zimmer Brian Cox Jr thrown into the rotation I'll be interested to look at those uh snap shares tomorrow and I thought for the most part um you know I think it I'm not sure if it was you who tweeted it but like that Justin Zimmer was or no you just said it was one of the only guys to, you know, consistently show up on that defensive line. I thought that there were moments where I thought that there was, if you take the hole and I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to go back and watch the game. I thought the defensive line looked to be engaged a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like they were, they were executing at a higher clip. That's not saying a lot. They have not been really good the last couple of games outside of that second half in the Raiders game, but I thought that they had a plan. I thought that there were times on thir- two third downs specifically where I thought they really showed up. They made good plays. They applied pressure with the three, four man rushes, let their coverage do the work, but obviously it wasn't enough. You know, there was some frustration with Ed Oliver. There continues to be frustration with Tremaine Edmonds. Um, you know, Jerry Hughes and uh, Mario Addison, both a lot of times applying pressure, but uh, unable to contain Pat- Patrick Mahomes in the pocket. Once he gets out, that's when the problems really start to happen. So I understand the frustration, but I do think that, again, this is a situation where with all of that there, right, all of that happened, you still were in a position late to do something. And I know the defense didn't make a stop, but if this offense continues to score points, Derek car scored 40 points on this defense mm. a week ago. And so – Listen, I know this defense isn't playing well right now. And I'm not sitting here saying it's got to be a complimentary thing or or trying to put too much of it on the offense and the run game struggling and Josh's inaccuracy at times in the game. But, you know, this is supposed to be the new wave offense. And, you know, 33 points. Marcel Louis-Jacques tweeted it out. The Bills are averaging almost 30 points a game in their first four games. The last two games combined, 33 points.
0: Yeah, the, the offense is taking a step back, and it might – uh, it's not just the big play. There's a lot of issues here. Allen with his inaccuracy. The run game really can't get going. Uh, Singletary did not play that well at, uh, the tonight. Moss you know, averaged two yards per carry. Offensive line, though, factors into that too. Uh, they're not doing a good enough job can consistently opening up those run lanes. So, Can John Feliciano be enough of a difference maker when he comes back? You know that I don't know if he can be that much of a difference maker. I know he's a very good player. I know he's going to help, but the the rest of this line has had some uh legitimate struggles. Passing game, John Brown kept off the stat sheet, Gabriel Davis, one catch, Isaiah McKenzie, that little the little pitch catch for four yards. The only two receivers that were really consistent tonight were Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley. And uh, Stephon so, Diggs had six
1: catches for forty-six yards on a in a touchdown, and he probably would have had three or four more catches, but he was absolutely getting mauled tonight. I think the game plan for Kansas City was, at whatever cost, do not let Stephon Diggs catch the football.
0: Yeah, if you factor in the penalty yards, things like that too, he had a, he had a pretty decent game and outing for this team, but th- there's just a lot of issues on the offensive side of the ball, the defense side of the ball. You have to wonder if now that there is so much tape out there on the Bills, if defenses are starting to figure things out a little bit. And that's why I keep going back to these next two games uh, against the Jets, against the Patriots. If the Bills rebound and win these next two games and they're 6-2, and well, then all of a sudden all the criticism kind of goes away short term. Uh, There might still be some issues about the defense. There might still be some little things here and there. But then they're in the driver's seat for the AFC East at that point uh, of the halfway point of the year. Right now, yes, it's okay to be a little bit worried. It's okay to say, hey, we've dropped two games in a row, haven't looked particularly well in either game, um, making some mistakes that we didn't see in those first four games of the season where Allen looked like an MVP and the scoring has fallen off. But let's also reevaluate, take a step back, take a breath, and look at who they have played the last two weeks. These may end up being the premier teams of the AFC when all is said and done this year. Titans are are right there. They're the only one of the only undefeated teams left in in the conference with Pittsburgh. Um, we already know the Chiefs are legit. They're the Super Bowl champions. So, getting a win would have been great against either of these teams, but it didn't happen. Uh, the, the schedule is kind of thrown around a little bit. Now you get back to some kind of normalcy. You have the Jets Monday or Sunday, I should say, at one p.m. You have the Patriots in a one p.m. or then you have the Seahawks. You, you go back to that normal Sunday schedule. You're not on prime time right now for the next few weeks. So maybe this will be a good thing for the bills. Step back, get out of that national spotlight and kind of get back on the same page here on both sides of the ball.
1: You know, I know fans aren't going to probably want to hear this. And, you know, I think that in this moment, there's not a lot of desire to talk about excuses or, or, you know, but I think it's important to also try to find some answers for why, Things are going the way that they're going. If you look at um, last year's defense, there's three, I think, big, big pieces um, that aren't there right now. And and by big, I mean guys that were on the field for them and and were a big part of what they were doing. So 52% of all snaps, Jordan Phillips, 63% of all snaps, Shaq Lawson, 48% 48% snaps of Lorenzo Alexander. And what you got from those three guys was stability. And the guys that you've had to replace them with, Vernon Butler has not played to the level that, you know, Jordan Phillips played at last year. I don't think Quentin Jefferson really hasn't either. The problem with Quentin Jefferson is I really think that they're asking him to play a position that he's not really built to play. He's not a one technique in this league. I mean, all that they talked about in the offseason was about, how he could come in here, be that three technique, flip him on the outside, let him rush the passer on third down as an end. And now they're th- forcing him inside and asking him to replace Starla Tulalay, who is a, basically just a space eater. And fans were just frustrated with him last year because at times it was like, what, is, what are we paying Star all this money for? Well, we're starting to realize that, you know, with all these pieces of the puzzle, the other guy, uh, 55, 58 plus percent snap count. Fitting everybody into the, the, those new roles without the spring period to work together, to get in those repetitions, without any preseason games, it's taken them a little while to get it all figured out, to get on the same page. And I'm wondering not only how much that's impacted guys like A.J. Klein, Vernon Butler, Quinton Jefferson, Mario Addison, you name it, A.J. Appanessa, who's a rookie without all of that rookie stuff in the spring, but how much that's affecting the guys that they're playing with Guys like Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poyer and Tredavious White, who are trying to onboard all these guys, get some co- uh, co- consistency and continuity built, and it just hasn't quite happened yet.
0: Yeah, and, and you know you raise a great point with the off season being the way it was, uh, but things need to come back together. Need things to come to come together quickly here for the Bills. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. It, I don't want to say they're running out of time because we're only six weeks into the season, but. This defense needs something, some kind of spark. And soon, uh, you know, the, the Bills didn't have 20 million dollars laying around to pay Shaq loss and ten per year on average and Jordan Phillips. But it, in addition to their play, their snap counts, there's something they also brought to this defense from that emotional perspective. The fact that they'd get very they'd get fired up after a big play, they'd try to get the crowd into it. And I know there's no crowds this year at home for Buffalo. Uh, but I think there's something about that. They, they kind of injected that energy to the, their teammates, and, and we're not seeing that. I, I, you're almost seeing the, the defensive line, uh, hands on the hips, some, some bad, um, if you're watching the game, in terms of, of their body language. They're not getting fired up. They made a play really late in the game, and I did see uh, – was it might have been Vernon Butler trying to get fired up there. But I'm not even seeing that from this defense, and, and I don't know how big of a, a factor that plays. But they're, they're clearly missing Lawson. They're clearly missing Phillips, who's having a really nice game or had a really nice first half for Arizona tonight against the Cowboys. Uh, and one of these guys that they ended up signing in free agency, they need to step up and, and step up soon and, and start being a more consistent factor for this defense. All right, we're going to
1: come back. Uh, We had a couple of questions lined up here, and we're going to get to any questions that you want to talk about. If you want to talk about something, tweet directly at me, get in my mansions, at Matt Perino, and we will definitely take care. If you're watching on Twitter, we'll get to that tonight. Um, We're going to come back. I want to talk a little bit about this offense, how it kind of plotted along tonight, Brian Dable, uh, and a couple other things with this offense. We'll be right back ready for football with every game a home game tops is ready for you with its tv a day giveaway for six weeks every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70 inch 4k tv shop tops for the best deals in town in store or online to win all right so i'm a big brian dable truther i've had it out on social media with plenty of fans over the last three years that were eager to run him out of town. I remember, you know, his first season there, I think there were towards the end, there was a fire Brian Dable campaign that uh, I think we, we, we talked about a few times. And obviously he was one of the guys in this first four weeks, you know, in the league in terms of play callers, coordinators that was getting some significant national head coaching buzz. I mean, a guy that, you know, the respect that he was gaining with the success that this Bill's offense was having. And obviously Josh Allen's was, you know, at the top in the league. Now we have these two games and you know I saw I've seen some chatter on social media about Dable and his role in all of this and I think to a degree you do have to kind of put him in the the pile of people that have to be responsible for the struggles of this offense the last couple of weeks. I would think that if you asked him and we'll get a chance to talk to him tomorrow, he there would be things he'd like to do differently about this game. One of the things, you know that probably could have been done better was the run pass balance in this game. I think that they came out. uh They kind of like look like they wanted to run the ball in the first, first quarter. And then they started to pass the ball. They scored the touchdown and kind of abandoned the run, especially in the second half. I don't think Devin Car- Devin Singletary had a carry in the second half. We'll talk about him in a minute, but what are your thoughts on, on Brian Dable and how he's called these last
0: two games? Yeah, there's been some inconsistent play calls uh, the opening drive pass 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 too bad passes by Allen one drop by John Brown that uh, ended the drive there and then sure enough before the next drive started they said uh, I saw a commentary from fans on Twitter saying well I guarantee it's gonna be a run up the middle on first down it was a run up the middle on first down for a very small game so if Bill's fans are starting to see these tendencies maybe opposing teams see it too hey They got nothing going in the first series off the pass. Look for the run on early downs. Uh, He's been a little pass happy at times, and I understand why. You look at this offense over the first four weeks, and that's how they were moving the ball. That's how they were putting up a ton of points. It was mostly through the air. You look at the run game. The offensive line has not been blocking well in the run game. The running backs have not been performing well. Uh, There's a lot of reasons, I think, that Dable has been calling the games the way he has. But you're right. He needs to find a better balance. He needs to get these guys incorporated. He needs to realize, you know, it's okay to go outside of the tackles, get some runs going outside. And when they did today, uh, today, whether it was Allen, whether it was Singletary, the Bills had some some nice plays where Singletary, I believe, picked up nine on, on a run outside the tackles, and Allen had some good quarterback keepers. Uh, so we didn't see him run that much in a while. So there were a few bright spots with the run game, but there wasn't enough of it. So they need to figure out how to get that balance. It doesn't have to be 50-50 by any means, but get those backs more looks, get them more involved in this offense.
1: I tweeted tonight about Devin Singletary and how, you know, obviously I've been a pretty big fan of his, you know, watching him run the ball and a proponent for his place in this backfield and has that running back one. And he's just been a little bit underwhelming. I think his, his yards per carry now at this point after six games is going to be somewhere around 3.5. And I don't think that's going to, that's not good enough. And, you know, I I know that he's not getting the ball a ton. So, you know, you want to see him get into a rhythm. I don't think that there's been one game where he's been fed the ball, like in a few games that he, he did get some good carries last year. Um, I'm actually going to look it up right now because I think it'll be interesting. Um, I feel like we asked, Devin about this uh, early when they were trying to get Zach Moss involved and get him some carries and about like just getting the ball and getting into a rhythm, how important that is. And last year he had look at, look at his second half of his, his season last year. Well, he had the 20 carries uh, against Washington um, second game after he came back fit, then eight carries and 15, 21, 14, 17, 21, 15, you know, this year, we're looking at a, a completely different usage for Devin Singletary uh, usage rate in the, the the games this year, 9, 10, 13. He did have 18 against uh, the Raiders. Uh, obviously, um, they passed the ball pretty well that day, I believe. 11 last week and then 10 this week. So there's only been one game this season where he's had more than 15 carries. And so I understand that part of it, that it might be tough for him to get a rhythm going. But when he does get the ball, I think he's got to be more effective. I think this offensive line, we're seeing th- – and that's another conversation too. This offensive line struggling. I mean, this this second straight week where I think that they were struggling a little bit uh, in the pass blocking part of things where they were really good early on and in the run game, I feel like they're not really driving that front back and opening a, a, enough holes right now. I mean, I think that's just the honest truth.
0: Yeah, both lines have been beat up the last few weeks, uh, offense and defensive line. Uh, Singletary, even the game that he had 18 carries against the Raiders, I want to say six of them came really late in the game where the Bills were just trying to kill the clock and take time off. So uh, the, the Raiders were prepared for that. He didn't really do much there. So even in that game, he he more it was more of like a 12-carry type of performance where he had six late-game carries to try to milk some clock, milk some time. He hasn't been featured enough at, out of the backfield. Uh, I do, I'm, you know, I keep looking ahead here, but I think Sunday will be a good opportunity to try to get that run game reestablished. You don't want to find yourself in a tight game with the Jets by any means because you're, you're running the football too much. But this could end up being a good game to get Singletary closer to those 20 carries or at least 20 catches between or 20 touches, I should say, between running and catching the ball. Try to get him more involved because. Right now, the Bills are one-dimensional. Defenses see that. Defenses are taking away the big play. And, And right now, the Bills have no answers for that. They're struggling to put up points. They're struggling to sustain drives. And it does not look anything like this team that we saw offensively in the first four weeks. So Brian Dibble has to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to get this run game more involved, how to get Devin Singletary more involved, and what this offensive line can do uh, to open up some more consistent lanes because Singletary has made some, the first guy miss quite a bit this year. He, he's good at that. He's just not being a lot, uh, getting past the second guy, the third guy, because they're right there waiting for him. There's too many players that are waiting for him and he can't really get off uh, the ball once he gets in his hand. So that's definitely a concern going forward
1: couple, uh, let's go to the questions here. Um, it was just a bad couple of weeks. Juan Castillo writes, COVID, Titans, uh, rescheduled games, key injuries, and I crappy weather. I don't know how much the crappy weather played into it, but that's a, that's a fair point. This has been a odd, you know, couple weeks, and to have it happen around two games against the AFC's elite is definitely a bad draw. Uh, I don't think anybody in the building there is looking to use that as as an excuse. And I don't think fans really want to use that as an excuse because you're going to go through different kinds of trials over the course of a season in the playoffs. So, um, yes, I definitely think moving. And that leads us into our second thing. Lone Wolf asks, can this defense stop the Jets? And first of all, I think, yes, I think if you want to get right in this league these days get the jets on your schedule any way that you can do it because offensively, defensively, they're an absolute mess right now. Uh, I thought that the, you know, the bills did some things, uh, in week one, uh, against Greg Williams defense, where you kind of were like, eh, but they got things going before then in the game. Obviously Josh Allen with his first career, 300 yard passing game. Um, but yeah, I definitely think they can, they can be successful against the jets.
0: <laughs> yeah. Th- this better be the game that they get right on both sides of the ball defensively. Um, uh... You know, we really don't know yet. I would assume that Sam Darnold is back for this game. There was some talk about him coming back this past week, and he was ruled out, and Joe Flacco started. If it's Flacco, I haven't seen nothing out of Flacco to believe that he could be a factor for this team. You have Frank Gore uh, as their lead back right now after releasing Le'Veon Bell. Uh, They're beat up at the wide receiver position. Chris Herndon's been kind of benched uh, in. You know, he's still getting out there on the field, but he's... Uh, been passed on the depth chart by Griffin, Ryan Griffin. Uh, and then for the Bills offense, yeah, they, they moved the ball really well against that Jets team in week one. Allen had two fumbles or else the Bills could have realistically been up about 35-0 at halftime the way they were scoring and moving the ball. I'm not saying that they need to come out here and blow out the Jets 50 to nothing or anything like that, but this needs to be a lopsided victory. If it's a close game, if somehow the Bills find a way to be the Jets' first win of the season, Well, then, yeah, then we're sinking like the Titanic over here in Western New York, and there'd be a lot of reasons to be concerned. So the the Bills have a nice opportunity to move to 5-2, and get back on track here, and then go into a huge week against the Patriots, that team that's controlled the division for the last two decades for the most part, a team that's been up and down this season in terms of their play on a week-by-week basis, and a, an opportunity for the, the bills to really put their stamp on, on the division here uh, heading into week nine and heading into the second half of the season after that.
1: You know, Trent Murphy, I see a couple comments. I, I scroll back up and I saw a couple people mentioning him in the comments. And, you know, I think that that's a big topic right now. And and Sean McDermott said in his press conference that, you know, they'll take a look at it this week, see if they want to bring those two guys back, Harrison Phillips, Trent Murphy next week. But, now I was talking to a, a few people in the press box about this before the game. We spoke a lot about the savings that you get by moving on from Trent Murphy, and after they decided to keep him on the fifty-three man roster, Sean McDermott, you know, spoke about how much he means to the team in the room, uh, you know, as a player, as as a leader. And for me, you don't bench a guy that brings that much to the table. You know, based on what Sean said. And so for me, this is really looking like a miscalculation on the Bills, and and you almost wonder if this was maybe a um, and I think Brandon actually at some point did say something about Trent as well and keeping him on the fifty-three man roster. So I can't really uh, use this. I don't I don't think. But I'm wondering how much there might have been discord on that because they even admitted, Brandon and Sean talk about it all the time. We don't agree on everything. Uh, but we talk through everything, we communicate on everything and usually land on something. But I could see Brandon probably sitting there maybe wanting to to save there on Trent Murphy. You go out and you draft A.J. Epinesa. You drafted Ed Oliver last year in in the first round. You've spent a lot of money on your defensive line. And for the production that you're getting from Trent Murphy, and I think that this was projected by a lot of people who, you know, even though I was a little bit more bullish on him than most, I, I remember a lot of games where, you know, no pressures, no tackles for a loss, no sacks. I know he does a good job against the run. I know he does a good job traditionally of setting the edge. But at $9 million, $10 million this year, $8.5 million cap hit, it just made too much sense. And now I feel like they probably have a little buyer's remorse.
0: Yeah, they probably do. But, Matt, you just said it. What does Trent Murphy do the best?
1: Set the edge. Stop the run. Help in stopping the run.
0: What was the Bills' game plan tonight? to stop the pass deep just especially stop the big play right yeah so yes if that's the game plan you're like we're gonna let them run the ball as much as is possible shouldn't you have one of your best run defenders out there on the field it, it was this maybe a mistake to to bench this guy i get he's not getting after the quarterback much he had one sack this season it was game one against the jets but if hey if your game plan is we don't want to get beat deep by Patrick Mahomes. We're going to live with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, running the ball, with Daryl Williams running the ball, with anyone else running the ball. Then have your best run defenders on the defensive line. It's not that hard of a concept. You put in Justin Zimmer because he did really well in week one against the Jets, stopping the run. He did it again tonight. You didn't have Murphy out there. I'm not saying Murphy would have been a difference maker in this game. That'd be foolish of me to say. We haven't seen enough out of him this year. But based on what your strategy was tonight, I I am a little baffled that you decided this was the game to bench him. Maybe maybe it wouldn't have made a difference at the end of the day. Obviously, there's a lot of coaches and personnel or uh, GMs, Brandon Bean and other people that make a lot more than I do and know a lot more about football than I do that, that made that decision at the end of the day. But that's just one of them that if this is your game plan, that's probably a game where you want Trent Murphy in your lineup.
1: Yeah. Good rant. wait it, would it, would it, just come back at me and put me in my place? You're right. <laughs> I, I do think that that was, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a dubious decision to move that far, you know, in a direction. And, you know, I like to watch the game back, see the kind of impact that Brian Cox jr. Had on the game, his snap share. I don't think it was very high. He didn't really pop to me. So maybe Justin Zimmer was the play, maybe sitting down a, giving Harrison Phillips a day off, uh, But even still, with with all that said, I still think that there's an issue for this team tackling right now. I don't think that it's at the level that you need it to be at, especially to play against the run. But even when you don't play against the run, I thought they did a pretty good job of swarming to the ball. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, what we talked about uh, two days ago. Taron Johnson was benched to start this game. Cam Lewis came on in that slot corner role. Uh, Unfortunately for him, it looks like he did something to his left hand. Had to leave, go back. He came back out with it wrapped in in a big, uh, look like a big hammer. Uh, but he didn't get back into the game. So they they ran a little bit. Uh, they they had Saran Neal in there a little bit more. So I think that they tried to play, you know, a heavier DB set uh, a lot of the time to try to, you know, guard against some of those big plays. But you know, th- there's just things on this, you know, this, this defensive line right now that, you know, I think that Eric Washington has to, you know. Get his message heard and maybe, you know, take a little bit. We don't get a chance to talk to Eric Washington. That's one of the real bummers of this year. Uh, Matthew Fairburn from the Athletic just put out a story on him, so he, I'm guessing he talked to him one-on-one. But, you know, in a traditional season, it's much easier, you know, in the in the locker room and in the facility to kind of bring assistant coaches aside for, for one-off stories, even just talk to them off to the side uh, in general. I mean, I talked to Bobby Johnson maybe a handful of times last year. I haven't talked to him once this year. So it's harder to get kind of a feel for what's going on in these individual rooms. But, you know, I think that, you know, missing a guy like Lorenzo Alexander, who played so many different roles for them last year, specifically, you know, as that third linebacker, but also a big part of this pass rush. I mean, I think that he, a lot of times last year made up for, maybe not so much last year, but in years past, for maybe Trent Murphy's lack of effectiveness as a pass rusher, because he would he added something in that dimension. They're not getting that from AJ Epinesa right now. They're not getting that from Quentin mm-hmm. Jefferson. And so without that, you're kind of just sitting there with your hands up saying, you know, if, Ch- if Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison aren't taking down the quarterback and, and, and Addison's now another another sack tonight, uh, he, he is producing in that in that front. Um, you're kind of left with your hands up, like I said.
0: Yeah. Uh you know Lorenzo Alexander, he had lost a step. There's no denying that from what he was when he first joined the Bills, but he still did so many roles and he did them very well. Uh he he may not have been that elite player that he was when we first saw him like I said, but he still did a great job in so many different areas that the, the Bills could depend on him, they could trust him, they knew that he could make up like you said in different areas for this team. So they're, they're definitely missing him and you know, I know he's sad, "Oh, if they, if he calls and they need me, I, you know, I would definitely consider coming back." I don't know if it's ready to make that phone call just yet, uh, but if injuries do keep occurring, it, it might be an intriguing idea at this point because they have not been able to replace Lorenzo Alexander to date. You mentioned Eric Washington. I I was thrilled when the Bills signed uh, Eric Washington as their defensive line coach. This guy has a great track record in terms of. Uh, how his defensive lines perform, getting after the quarterback, it hasn't happened this year. And I don't know if it, it's just the personnel. I don't know if it's the lack of the true offseason like you've mentioned. That defensive line under Eric Washington has not lived up to my expectations or anyone's expectations, and it's really hurt this defense. Now, obviously, they're they're struggling at linebacker. They're struggling on the back end. It's not just the defensive line's fault here uh but everything's out of sync and if you had a better better production a better performance from this defensive line on a week by week basis i think it could mask some of these other uh serious flaws that we've been seeing from this bills defense through six games
1: matt milano misses another game tonight uh he was trending it seemed like he was in the in the right direction uh he was inactive late and you know that that continues to be an issue for this defense as well and i i thought aj klein for as much um you know ire as he has received uh from a lot of the fan base I thought he came in and he came to play tonight he made a couple of plays forced a fumble on the drive I thought he made a big stop on third down when he read the screen got in there got his helmet on the on, on the ball carrier brought him down uh still some misses and I'm sure when you go back and watch the film there's gonna be a lot more that you notice uh and, and they miss Matt milano no doubt about it but I thought at least that was uh you know a little bit something better from from AJ klein but you know, I still think that getting Matt Milano back healthy is is a key for this defense. And not only for this defense, you know, week to week, matchup to matchup. And like, yeah, you look two weeks and, and you see the Patriots and you say, yeah, you need Matt Milano back in the lineup, but you need some continuity. You need some like, you know, these guys getting some, some snaps, some reps together over and over again as a unit. So you can kind of start building some momentum. And I think that that's something... L- I'm hesitant to really just fry this defense and call it, you know, I'm seeing comments here. Um, is that Oliver a bust? Is Tremaine Edmonds a bust? I, I'm hesitant to really even wade into those waters yet. I don't think either are. I'm not ready to go there yet, but I'm even hesitant to discuss it because we've not seen this defense really in its full form all season, really. And if you want to take the Jets game, sure, fine. But that was the opener without any preseason without, you know, with a truncated training camp. So I just want to see, all right, one game, two game, three games. Okay, the Seattle Seahawks game or the Chargers game, they've played together for three or four straight games. Let's take that game and analyze this defense. And I know that that doesn't help us in the meantime because you want to talk about what's going on, what's going wrong right now, but I think that's a big piece of it. There's just not been enough time on task together for this defense to be the best version of itself and maybe i'm off base there
0: no i think that's a very fair point and going back to milano milano's a big topic on social media live during games some saying oh my goodness look how much we missed this guy we we got to make sure that we we sign him long term others saying hey he, he can't he's not healthy he can't stay on the field you know that's not where uh where you want to invest your money and i think it's somewhere in the middle the bills obviously want to keep this guy around long-term because look how this defense has, f- has fared without him when he has not been on the field. He did have some middle ground there because if he can't stay on the field, you can't be paying him uh, a boatload of money. And if you try to replace him, as some fans suggest, you better make sure that whoever you sign or draft, you hit the, the nail on the head, so to speak, because you need instant production if he does leave in free agency at the end of the year. Uh, because of how important he has been when he's been on the field and and clearly how important he is based on what we've seen with him off the field. What
1: position do you think the Bills need to address on the trade market if they're going to address one? I see that question in here, and that's something that we're going to probably be uh, discussing in the next couple days here on the website, syracuse.com, newyorkupstate.com. I think that they're fine on offense. I think Tyler Croft, for as long as Dawson Knox isn't available, I like what Tyler Croft has brought this year. I also think it'd be, you know, I I'd be interested to see what Reggie Gilliam could be could do given a couple opportunities to catch the ball. But if you look on the other side of the ball, like I think there's a couple opportunities um especially at cornerback. I think Josh Norman continues to struggle a little bit. Uh you, you hope probably that you can get Levi Wallace back, but if you could go out and get a cornerback to add into the mix here, I don't think that would be the worst thing.
0: No, I agree, and Norman actually had an interception, a, a what should have been an interception, fall right out of his uh, his stomach tonight, thrown right to him. At Mahomes, Mahomes' worst pass of the night by far, uh, and he couldn't haul it in on a third down play. So the cornerback position has definitely been a weakness. You, you can talk outside, you can talk inside with Taron Johnson and his struggles. Obviously, they were going to try something different tonight with Cam Lewis. They, obvi- they had Saran Neal out there a little bit more tonight. Uh, but, but if the, if you can find a good cornerback, whether it's an outside or an inside guy that you think fits this defense, uh, I, I think you definitely pull the trigger as long as that other team is not looking for too much. Uh, I know you have a player in mind. I have a player in mind. A little tease for later this week on our pieces that we'll be putting up on the site. Um, but I definitely think it has to be on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um, you know, based on what we've seen from this unit. And you know
1: that was a couple of people asking that question. Check out the site this week cuz we're going to have a couple of players that we actually dive into a little bit. Um but you know on the JJ Watt front, I've seen that name poking around a little bit. I I'm I don't think the Houston Texans would as much money as he's making would entertain a trade just because he's a brand there. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's that's part of it. You know, the bottom line, the jersey sales, the, you know, the the cachet that he brings to that locker room. He's a leader in that locker room. And, you know, I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, it seemed like they moved on from Bill O'Brien, you know, JJ Watt was a big reason why, you know, based on what he's been saying in the aftermath. So, um, yeah, I, I think JJ Watt in a perfect world, if the, if the financials worked, I, I, that would be a tough thing to kind of figure out. Cause I do think the bills, while they have some room under the salary cap, it's not a whole like ton. I'm not sure if they can, you know, take in his contract, but you know, I know Bill's fans want that superstar blockbuster. The NFL just doesn't really usually work like that.
0: No, not at all. And like you said, financials don't really make sense here. Um, He still is the face of that franchise as much as Deshaun Watson is. It's kind of like a 50-50 split. He's that first person you think of. So I still think that the Texans would even be hesitant to even trade him, even if financials were not an issue. Uh, And at the same time, you don't want to just add a guy for name value. He's not the same player that he was three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. Um, So, you know, could he come in and be an immediate difference maker? I'm not so sure at this point in his career. Uh, Injuries have taken their toll. And at this point, you know, I I get wanting to throw things against the wall to see what sticks, try to find some upgrades, but I'm not sure he would necessarily be that guy that would be the difference maker immediately on the field leadership perspective. The bills have a lot of veteran leadership, but yeah, he would definitely uh, contribute in that regard, obviously.
1: All right. That is going to do it for, for this episode of shout a Buffalo bills football podcast. Shout out to our sponsor, Tops Friendly Markets. Uh, appreciate you. Please find the podcast in audio form if you want. If you, if you just caught a portion of it and you want to listen to it back, it'll be on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, all of them. Subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back this week, and we're working on something special. where We got our fingers crossed. So we don't know what day we're going to be back. Keep an eye on the YouTube page and obviously on Twitter and Facebook, and, and we'll try to keep you posted with timing. Uh, but if we do get it to happen, it could be a really quick type of, all right, we got a podcast, get ready. So, you know, keep an eye out and the best place to find, you know, just turn my Twitter uh, or Ryan's Twitter um, notifications on. Um, And I know we tweet a lot, so that might get annoying, but just so you don't miss it because you're not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a big show. We're excited about it uh, if it comes to fruition. For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Final thoughts, my friend.
0: Tough two weeks, uh, but you know, look ahead, two division games coming up. You can right the ship right there by pulling off two wins in the next two weeks and get to six and two at that uh, halfway point, so to speak, of the year.
1: Yeah. And you could also be, um, I'm checking here right now. You could also be the Cowboys. You could have your quarterback be out for the season, Dak Prescott. Uh, our, uh, you know, p- prayers out, thoughts out to him, man. That was an awful, awful moment in the, in the sport. Um, but look what's going on right now, in Dallas, twenty-eight to three, Arizona Cardinals in their house, just absolutely spanking them. Could always be worse. Try to enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, actually, this is not a Sunday. There is no weekend. <laughs> Get into your week. Uh, you know, wake up tomorrow on your Tuesday and, and, and kick this week's butt. Uh, we really appreciate you guys staying on late here. We'll be back to our regular scheduled program. And news alert: I will be in New Jersey on Sunday for the Buffalo Bills versus New York Jets, the first travel I've done all year. I'm going to drive down there. I'm going to take in the game at uh, in the Meadowlands, and uh, we will be live uh, with me on the scene down there somewhere, somehow. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us. So for Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. We will see you very soon. Ready for football? Tops is with ready to serve fan favorites everyone will cheer for. Delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops.